Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco, and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Megaphone. Following is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and in-game analysis. On tonight's episode, we're going to be recapping Winnipeg's escapades against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which, uh, yeah, we're just going to get this out of the way. Winnipeg lost 6-3, but I promise, I promise it wasn't as bad as it looked. Um, the scoreline, I think, is pretty flattering in some ways, not flattering in others. I think the first thing that you'll probably want to, you know, take into consideration is the fact that Connor Hellebuck had one of his worst outings. There's no getting around it. Connor Hellebuck was just abysmal. And I, I think that's okay. I mean, he's allowed to have an off night. Although the number of off nights that Hellebuck has had over the past two weeks is starting to mount. My impression is that, based on the fact that his reactions and reads and positioning all look a little bit slow, delayed, and off, I think he might be getting tired. Um, he's played almost all of Winnipeg's games. I mean, Brassois is not really playing at all. And so I, I think the Jets really need to start working on on getting Laurent Brassois more into the uh, team rotation because... I think Hellebuck is playing too much, and I think that the Jets are putting so much stress on him that I just can't see him trying to contain and, and maintain his performance uh, over the rest of the season. It doesn't really change my perspective that, that Hellebuck has been the runaway Vezina favorite, although somebody has suggested Henrik Lundqvist could also make an argument. Basically, if you're a great goalie on a bad team, you're probably going to get a shout-out, and that's definitely true for Hellebuck. So, yeah, I think Connor does need some time off, and if he gets benched for the next couple of games, I think that's okay. And that's really not an indictment on, on his performance or anything. I think the dude has just done so much for this team, um, and he's actually done maybe a little too much, and Winnipeg kind of needs to help him recover and rest and, and get prepared for the rest of the season. We're, what, like halfway through the season, and, and Hellebuck is definitely showing some signs of wear and tear. I think tonight was especially bad because he was very shaky, he looked like he was flopping around in his net and like he wasn't 100% sure where his positioning was in his crease. One of the goals against was just him mishandling the puck, which he's he's never been a good puck handler to begin with, so that's already incurring risk that he probably doesn't need to add. Um, but some of the other goals, like the Engvall shot, I think uh, might have been Nylander or Marner that, that had a power play goal that sort of just kind of popped over his shoulder and... and popped over his pad too and, and went into the net which is a shot that from distance he'd usually have but again he just didn't look sharp tonight even when he wasn't you know surrendering goals or anything he just didn't seem like he was comfortable at all so that would be the first takeaway I think the other thing that was really surprising was just how good the top line was tonight if one player really stood out to me uh, on Winnipeg's side it has to be Patrick Flippin Line man this kid was just on fire Line A, every time he touched the puck, something good happened. Whether it was a really nice shot on goal, uh, a couple of opportunities that were very close and barely missed, um, or just some perfect dangles through defenders. He was like a one-man wrecking crew tonight, and he was totally possessed, playing out of his mind. That he didn't have like two, three, or even four goals tonight was kind of a shocker. Line A just seemed to set out with the sole intention of repeating his performances against Toronto in, in the very first game he played against them, and boy was he good. He was so dynamic, and I, I think that he really showcased all of the skill sets that he's developed over the past couple of months. Shively was also pretty good. He had a few defensive lapses and some, some bad choices here and there, but you know nothing out of the ordinary, and, and generally speaking, I thought he was pretty sharp too. 
he and Line A, along with, you know, Kyle Connor to a lesser extent, um, were just really kind of handing it to the Leafs throughout most of the game. I think during the second period, they put on an absolute clinic, and uh, they were they were very unfortunate not to have scored, you know, several goals here and there. Frederick Anderson deserves a lot of credit for being awesome. That middle 20 minutes, he had a ton of work to go through, and he handled it pretty marvelously. Uh, you know, the Jets got a bit unlucky, and there were a couple of fortunate bounces for Toronto's sake, but generally speaking, I thought Ed Anderson really bailed them out when some of the top lines for the Jets were just dominating play. After the second period surge, though, things kind of tapered off a bit. Uh, Laurent Brassois ended up relieving Hellebuck a little bit too late, in my opinion, but, you know, it is what it is. The Jets kind of looked like they were out of gas for a bit, and Toronto started to do what Toronto does, which is just apply a bit more pressure, keep the Jets off balance, and keep them off kilter, uh, and create some dangerous scoring opportunities along the way. Brassois was definitely busy in the third period. One of those chances ended up going in, but, you know, at this point it didn't really make too much of a difference. The Jets had already surrendered, you know, up to that point five goals, so what was one more really didn't make that, you know, big of an impact on the overall game. I It's kind of frustrating because I feel like the Jets were decent for a significant portion, but again, goaltending kind of decided this one. And then once that happened, the Jets just sort of kind of had to chase the game and they were a little bit behind on things. If there are positives to take away, I guess we can definitely say that Patrick Laine and Mark Scheifele's line being as good as it was was a positive, but uh, there were some other issues I noticed. I think that the, the, the Wheeler line looked really bad. Um, Ehlers and Wheeler just weren't able to create a whole lot. Roslevic was a little bit off kilter. Uh, and Wheeler just looked a bit slow, like he wasn't feeling comfortable. I, I did think he blocked a shot a couple of days ago that was pretty bad, and he was definitely limping, so I wonder if he's still kind of nursing a lower body injury of some sort. He took another knock tonight that definitely slowed him up a bit, so I'm kind of hoping that in a couple of days of rest down the road will kind of do him some good, especially during the All-Star break. Janssen Harkins got a promotion to the third line when Maurice pulled out his line blender, the infamous line blender as it were, and Harkins, I really think, deserves a middle, a middle six role. I think that he's proven enough on the fourth line to get a promotion. I mentioned this on Twitter earlier, but Harkins definitely has outplayed any of the other depth forwards Winnipeg has called up. He's got some really nice passing and distribution that I did not anticipate. Uh, a lot of his points in the AHL this year were, were assists, but even still, to do, to do it at the NHL level is a different story. Pairing that with legitimately good positioning, uh, some nice wall battles, a couple of nice forced turnovers, some good skating and edge work, and this is a pretty complete package for a, uh, a guy who could play on your third or second line even. I don't know that Harkins will be a second line or even a top sixer at all, but, you know, he was a highly touted prospect when he was taken. I don't want to write him off and say that he's only going to be a bottom six guy, because he has some of the skills and tool sets that you might expect of somebody who's playing an elevated role in most NHL lineups. His progress will be one to watch uh, over the coming weeks because he has something interesting in mind, and I, I would like to see more of what he can do, especially with more skilled line mates. On a, uh, on a trajectory of guys who deserve a call-up or have performed on their recent call-ups, a.k.a. Janssen Harkins, I have a couple of guys who I'd like to see help out Winnipeg in the near future, especially because Winnipeg right now is, is not super deep. And I think these guys are actually flying under the radar but doing a very good job for Winnipeg's affiliate with the Manitoba Moose. I think the first name that definitely sticks out to me is Andrei Chipisov, who's been quite good for the Moose. In his first season on North American Ice, he's got 19 points, which is good for fourth on the Moose. 
not bad, and he's also got a couple of unique skills and traits that most of the other Jets players just don't have. For one thing, this dude is big. And when I say big, I mean like we're talking almost Tyler Myers big. Uh, he's 6'4", 227 pounds, and he's just a physical beast. The 26-year-old is a veteran of KHL hockey, but uh, I think he might actually have something that you could actually use in the NHL. He's a unique forward for the Jets in the sense that Winnipeg likes these big physical guys, but they don't really have any forwards who are physical, big, and good, and skilled. And that's where Chibisov apparently has some finesse to his game that other guys don't have. Compared to players like Logan Shaw and Gabriel Bork, and, and Gabriel Bork was especially bad in this game against Toronto, and he's, he's kind of struggling a lot lately, so you bring in someone like Chibisov, call him up and see if he can outpace some of these current depth forwards. I think Chibisov has, has some interesting traits, and I think he brings a unique element of physicality and, and size and strength, um, and he also has some sauce, so maybe the Jets can give him a shot and see what he can do. If nothing else, I mean, he's just going to be pretty good for the Moose going forward and one of their top offensive forwards, so you can't really complain either way. He's only uh, he's only $792,000 on the cap hit, so not really a big deal either way. I'd also be remiss not to mention uh, that Sami Niku has been called up for the Jets, and he was actually in the rink tonight, but he was sitting uh, in the press box, unfortunately, and I think he was scratched right ahead of the game. I, I know that there is some tension between Niku and this team, but for the love of all that is good and holy, there's really no excuse not to be playing Niku right now, especially given the state of this Winnipeg blue line. Tonight we saw Lucas Sabisa mishandle the puck, which directly turned into a goal for, I believe, Kasperi Kapanen. Like, Sabisa straight up looked at the puck, missed it with his stick, and basically laid out a nice pizza for uh, Kapanen to just walk right in on Hellebuck. Now, obviously you want Hellebuck to make a save here and there, but this is just a bad turnover, period. For... This to be one of the continual issues with this defense, uh, guys who don't have a whole lot of foot speed, who tend to have very poor passing and, and turn the puck over under pressure, that just can't be a hallmark of your defense, and unfortunately that's exactly where Winnipeg is right now. They just don't have defenders who can avoid turning the puck over, especially when faced with even a bit of pressure and pace. So Sami Niku needs to get some game time. Shovel Dayoff has said that he will get game time at some point, but like this is the last year of his ELC. And let's be honest, Niku's just kind of rotting away with a moose. He he needs to be playing in the NHL. There's no excuse for Sami Niku not to be playing at the big club level. Yes, he will have defensive liabilities. Yes, he's going to make mistakes. We've already seen some of the weaknesses in his game. But I can tell you right now, he is going to be better than about half the defense we have right now, if not almost everyone on this team on the back end. That's not saying a whole lot, but it's also suggesting that he has some unique skill sets and traits that no one else on this defense has. For all of Neil Pionk's faults, he's actually been pretty decent for the Jets, and I don't mean that in a patronizing way. I mean, he's been legitimately a decent, you know, second-pairing defenseman. Sami Niku might be the next Neil Pionk. If that's his maximum NHL impact, that is genuine value, and he's a seventh-round pick that you've gotten to the NHL, and you're using in a decent role. Winnipeg literally has no other defensive options right now, so for Nico to be sitting in the press box, to me, is just, I don't understand. What does he have to do to get a spot on this team? I mean, there's no one else that should be standing in his way, especially when most of the guys that are blocking him right now are 7th defensemen or really AHLers. If Niku doesn't get ice time in the next couple games or even the next couple weeks, then he's never going to play for this team. I mean, that's that's just the end of it. He's going to get traded, or he'll be a free agent, or go back to Finland, something like that. 
because there's no reason for him to be sitting on the bench when the Jets don't have a real defense. It's not like he was that terrible when he played a couple of games this year. He looked pretty decent, and he certainly can carry the puck out of pressure a lot better than some of the other guys. He also has good shooting and good passing and, and nice edge work. He might be able to even help this power play unit that's really struggling right now. I think the power play as of today was under 20%, which is just abysmal, especially given the shooting talent that is available to Winnipeg. So, you know, just put Saminiku in. I don't know what else to say. Get him some game time, get this defense going, because right now this unit is totally underwater. As far as other defensemen who might be down the pipeline and, and coming up, you know, in the next couple seasons, if not next year or the year after, I think Leon Gavanki and Jonathan Kovacevic both have a shot. Both have been very decent for uh, for the Manitoba Moose this season. I believe Gavanki has something like 13 points and Kovacevic is at 9 points. So they're both offensive defensemen. Kovacevic is a big kid with a nice booming right shot. He's also a smart defenseman, and when he was playing for Merrimack, he was definitely their best skater, especially on the back end. Merrimack was, frankly, a shockingly terrible team that you could barely call Division One, and, you know, Kovacevic was one of their leading offensive producers. I think at one point he was tied for the team in scoring, if not, you know, at least second place. Gavanki, on the other hand, is kind of a curious one because he's, he's very much a high-event hockey kind of guy. Like, if you put him on the ice, you're going to give up chances as many as you get. But Gavanki is also a really fun player, and I think that he kind of fits in the same Sami Nikus mold, where if you give him a shot, he's going to give you a ton of offense, and yeah, he's probably going to give up and surrender defensive opportunities to the opposing team, but maybe he outweighs that value with the sheer amount of offense that he can create. He's an incredibly smart skater, he's got good passing, good vision, um, he's got a nice shot and, and great attacking instincts in the offensive zone, and he's already producing at the AHL level. To me, that just seems like a recipe for somebody who should get a look at some point because the other options right now, I mean, Winnipeg just doesn't have other defenders to call on. Um, they have Dylan Sandberg, who's at Minnesota and really is too good to be playing for Minnesota. They've got Vili Heinola, who is over in Finland and should probably come back in the near future. They've got Niku, who they called up and immediately sat in the press box, which, you know, if he sits one game, okay, wait till he gets a little more acclimated back into the team fold, but, you know, you don't want him sitting too long. And then you've got, I guess, a couple of guys like um, Declan Chisholm, who's doing very well for his current team, which I believe is Peterborough. Dude has like 44 points in 35 games, which for a defenseman is kind of nutty, pretty good. Uh, and the 19-year-old is definitely going to be somebody for the Jets to keep an eye on because they don't have many left-handed defensemen to begin with. But Chisholm has definitely pushed past some of my earlier expectations. I think the Jets have something in him, legitimately something, and I, I want to see him at some point down the road uh, make the jump to the pro level. If not next season, then the following season. He's got to make the jump sooner rather than later, though. Sandberg would be nice to have, but I, I don't know what his plans are, considering he stayed at college and he hasn't signed a contract, so... Eh, he's kind of up in the air, and that just leaves a couple of options for the Jets and Kovacevic, Kovanki, and, uh, you know, at a fringe shout, Luke Green, who I, you know, really hasn't played uh, a full pro season. I still have hope for him. He's definitely talented, but Green, again, hasn't been able to stay healthy, so he kind of needs a season of pro hockey, a full season without injury, to kind of get a sense of where his development is. So Winnipeg's pickings right now are a little slim, but there, re there are reinforcements that are going to start hitting in the next year or two. It's just going to take a bit of a uh, a bit of a wait for the Jets, and that that might not be good enough to be honest, because Winnipeg is is they're at a point where they have a roster where they can compete, but they don't have enough support on the back end to do it. 
On prospects that I kind of want to see more from, I think the most obvious answer that everyone's going to kind of gravitate towards is Christian Veselainen, who, I don't know, he's had a bit of a rough season for the Moose this year. Um, and those who have had the chance to watch him, you know, intimately have said that he has the ability to flash incredible top six talent, but then he just disappears at even strength for long stretches of time. I think that that's kind of been Veselainen's story, especially when he was in preseason camp and, and during training camps. He does flash some really good flair and some really great hands and some nice passing and shooting, but other times he has a tendency to fade in the background of the play, and I think that that's kind of an issue. Veselainen is the kind of guy who should be really assertive on the puck and, and sort of controlling and dominating and dictating the pace of play. If he's kind of sitting back and not taking as much of a role, that's not good enough. He certainly has the ability to control play, and I know that at times people wanted to think of him as the eventual heir apparent to uh, Blake Wheeler, albeit the finished version. I think that we may have to relax his expectations a bit. He might still be a very good middle six player, but we have yet to see him kind of blossom at the AHL level after he had um, a bit of a decent season last year, but you know, this year has not been as good, so I don't know what to say other than that I hope that he kind of picks it up and starts taking a more assertive role. I'm also kind of surprised that Michael Spacek has fallen a bit off the radar. He's had a really tough season for the Moose, and uh, I'm kind of surprised because I thought that he would have another breakout year. Now, in all fairness, he has played fewer games than some of the other guys, um, like 10 less games, I think, but even still, you know, 9 points through 21 games is uh, kind of surprising production from him. His scoring rates in the past season were higher than it is now, um, but he also, again, played quite a few games last year and, and had, you know, 41 points through 74 games, which is pretty decent, pretty nice. Uh, and if he could get to something like that again, you know, if not push beyond that this year, that'd be fantastic. Spacek is somebody who I kind of penciled in to eventually take over as either like a third line or a fourth line center. Um, he can also play wing, but I think he, you know, with the with the limited center depth that the Jets have, that's probably where you want him, is, is down the central lane. So I hope that he picks it up. I hope that he has a healthier season and kind of keeps on pushing through. Uh, he's a very talented player. He's shown it already. He's you know, still 22, so he has an opportunity to, to develop further into a, a versatile bottom six player, if not a middle six forward. Guys like him are the kind of bread and butter that Winnipeg have made their depth signings off of. I think that the Jets are usually very good at identifying underrated talents and guys that can contribute to their third and fourth lines in an offensive role. Um, the issue then becomes that Maurice tends to like gritty PK guys who are very physical or, or have a lot of energy and have a high work rate, but the issue is, is that these guys often don't really direct that energy to anything productive. You know, Gabriel Bork tends to fly around the ice, but he doesn't really use that energy for anything effective uh, or efficient for that matter. So, you know, guys like uh, Spachek, Chibasov, uh, Harkins, I think these, these are the sorts of depth forwards that I want to see more of. Guys who can contribute on both ends of the ice. Uh, and, and help Winnipeg transition play because their top six right now is is doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Lowry hasn't been himself. The absence of Cop is definitely noticeable. Perot's getting older, and, and there's just not a whole lot there for the Jets to work with. So um, obviously we did expect some roster turnover, but the amount of depth that has turned over uh, to, to match up with the defensive situation right now uh, is definitely putting a squeeze on the Jets' And it's, it's definitely contributing to defensive lapses as well. Uh, when Nick Shore is one of your 
immediately most impactful depth forwards, it's kind of an issue. It looks like everyone else is just a bit gassed or struggling to maintain an NHL-level caliber of play. You toss in the fact that the Jets don't really have an NHL-capable blue line either, and it's it's just a rough mix, and I think it's taxing, especially on your goaltending. Hellebuck looks tired. I think some of the other guys just kind of looked exhausted too. I mean, they're slow. They already weren't fast to begin with, and, and now they're struggling every game with tons of defensive zone pressure and stuff like that. So Winnipeg needs a lot of help, and I, I don't know when it's going to come. It will come. I just can't see it happening this season. And I hope that Winnipeg doesn't fall out of the playoff picture. I don't, I don't think they will. I think I think they're going to be good enough to, to make the cut because the rest of the West is not that great. But, you know, it's definitely not nailed on or guaranteed, so... We'll see how the rest of the season goes. It's been a bit of a, uh, a bit of a rough ride for the past couple of weeks. Uh, hopefully with a bit of rest and, and reassurance, things kind of smooth over. Um, but thanks again so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's game, had a blast, and enjoyed tonight's recording. Uh, as always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite platform of choice. And as always, go Jets go!